The text is Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 20. Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 20. Hear God's Word. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him any more, even with chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, day and night, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. And the demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported in the city and in the county and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened uh, to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to implore him to leave their region. The man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him, and he did not let him. But he said to him, Go home to your own people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for uh, this Your Word. And thank You for a short time to uh, be able to look into it. Uh, we pray, Father, that uh, as we do so, and as we have a glimpse into uh, the unseen world uh, that exists uh, in this text and all around us, uh, that we might be more aware of that unseen world and of the fact that one day we will be called to go into that unseen world. And we pray uh, that as this is the case, uh, Jesus Christ uh, will be our guide. 
So bless us to this end as we look into Your Word in this time, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, Amen. Fifty, sixty, seventy years ago, a fellow by the name of Edward John Carnell was a professor of apologetics at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. Dr. Carnell had studied at Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia under Cornelius Van Til. This is where he cut his teeth uh, on apologetics. Uh, but as he taught at uh, Fuller uh, Seminary, uh, it happened in God's providence uh, that he had what was called at the time a nervous breakdown. And uh, as a result of that uh, nervous breakdown, uh, in that day, uh, he was uh, consigned to an asylum, an insane asylum. And there he underwent shock treatments. Uh, treatments in which an electrode uh, is placed on one side of the head and another electrode is placed on the other side of the head. And electric shocks, electric current is run through the brain. Uh, when uh, my wife and I knew him, uh, Dr. Carnell, although he had been a brilliant man, uh, was a shell of his former self. Uh, I say he was a brilliant man uh, because uh, he had a hobby of tearing uh, pages out of a dictionary. And uh, in his spare time, he would review the entries of the dictionary and memorize the entries of the dictionary in order to improve his vocabulary. Uh, but as I say, he was a shell of a man uh, uh, when we had him as an instructor. And I remember very well uh, in class one day uh, when uh, the subject of the supernatural uh, was brought up and uh, Dr. Carnell uh, said to the class, uh, you don't believe in demons, you say. Well, I'll tell you. You haven't been where I have been. He was reflecting on his time in that, quote, insane asylum where he had seen manifestations of the unseen world in ways uncommon uh, to you and to me. Uh, Dr. Carnell, although he had gone through this experience, believed firmly in Jesus Christ and he had faith in Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ was the Lord of even that unseen world. And that when He died, Jesus Christ would be His guide into that unseen world. Our text this morning speaks about that unseen world. And our text this morning speaks about the fact that Jesus Christ is the Lord of that unseen world. And the exhortation is, trust Jesus Christ to be your guide. 
when you enter that unseen world. The text in Mark chapter 5 is, of course, in the beginning of the gospel. The gospel of Mark is divided into uh, basically two parts. It's 16 chapters long. And the middle of the gospel comes in uh, chapter 8, where we find a little story about a healing of a blind man. The blind man is healed in two stages by our Lord Jesus. Uh, Jesus gives him partial sight, and then Jesus gives him full sight. Uh, Why is this the case? The lesson, it appears, is quite simple. That you and I need full vision. That partial vision is inadequate. That only knowing Jesus Christ as Lord, the first part of the Gospel of Mark, is insufficient. You must also know Jesus Christ as the one who died for your sins. You must also know Jesus Christ as to why He came into this world. You must have full vision with regard to Jesus Christ. And strikingly enough, in chapter 5, in this little story, the disciples uh, don't have a clue as to who Jesus actually is. Uh, This is really the striking thing about the story. But as you get into the story, you realize the demons know full well who Jesus actually is. Uh, So, uh, let's jump into the story in the middle of the story, uh, beginning with verse 11. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned. Here was this poor demoniac. And uh, he was in this area of the country, in the southeast of the Sea of Galilee, which was a Gentile region. Well, of course you would realize it's a Gentile region, It was a region where uh, they were growing pigs. They were growing swine. And the Jews would not have been involved in that occupation. And uh, there's this herd of swine nearby. Uh, Verse 13 tells us it was over 2,000 in number. Uh, Quite a herd, uh, if you will. And the demons are saying to Jesus, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. They were imploring Him to do so. They were saying to Jesus, Jesus, send us, not elsewhere, send us into these pigs. And they were adamant. They were urgent. And why so? Because they knew that Jesus had authority to condemn them immediately to hell. And they were frightened of the prospect of that awful place. Can you imagine? 
unclean spirits, demons, frightened of the prospect of hell. And they needed the permission of Jesus to move from this demoniac into this herd of swine. And Jesus gave them permission. Jesus is the Lord over the unseen world. This is part of the lesson we learn from this particular text. Jesus gave them permission. Actually, this is the center of the text. Everything swings around this statement in this particular text. And once the swine had entered, or once the demons had entered the swine, the, uh, this herd of pigs rushed down uh, the deep slope into the Sea of Galilee and drowned the devil. The devil is out for nothing more or less than to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's exactly what these demon spirits did. What was the outcome after that? We are not told. And that actually is immaterial to the story. The main point is that Jesus is the Lord of the unseen world. And these demons, it turns out, understood that this is the case. These demons knew that Jesus was the Lord over their world. Look at verses 7 and following. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, that is the demoniac said, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? What business do we have with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? These demon spirits called Jesus by name. They knew Him. And they knew that He was the Son of God and is the Son of God. They understood this quite plainly. And as I just said, at this point the disciples are not quite reconciled to this truth. But the demons know. James says, the demons believe but shudder. The demons believe but shudder. Faith has two, has three aspects. Knowledge, assent, and trust. You can know who Jesus is and say that He is the Son of God. That is, you can know the things about Jesus Christ and assent to the truth of the fact that this individual is indeed the Son of the living God. But that's not the whole picture. The demons believe and shudder. Hopefully, uh, you have faith 
that is greater than the faith of demons. That is, you not only know who Jesus Christ is and assent to the truth of who Jesus Christ is, but you trust Jesus Christ. That's what saving faith involves. Trust in Jesus Christ. And so you and I must have greater faith than the faith of demons. And the demons go on and say, I implore you by God, do not torment me. I put you under oath, Jesus. Uh, That's the import of the text. I put you under oath, Jesus. By God, do not torment me. The demons are frightened of the power of the Son of God. And they do not want to be consigned to that awful place called hell. Jesus Christ is indeed the Lord of the unseen world. And He is Lord of the unseen world. You and I one day will enter when we pass from this life. Why did Jesus go into this region anyway? Well, we go back up to the beginning of the story. Verse 1, They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. Here on the southeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus and His disciples land in a little boat, a skiff. And when He got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met Him, and He had His dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind Him any more, even with chains, because He had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by Him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue Him. Constantly, night and day, He was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, and gnashing himself with stones. And seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. This demoniac, I picture him myself as kind of a cross between Gollum in Lord of the Rings, an emaciated creature, and the Incredible Hulk. I kind of picture him as a cross between the two, an emaciated fellow, but with superhuman strength. He lived in a graveyard and often groups of men, it appears, would have to hold him down and put shackles of iron around his ankles and around his wrists and chain him uh, to a rock or, or to uh, some prominence in uh, that graveyard. And he would uh, take those chains and pull those chains apart uh, uh, like an anchor chain on a big anchor in a ship. 
He would pull those chains apart and he would pry, he would pry uh, uh, those bands of iron uh, from his wrists and from his ankles. And he would cry out and run around in the tombs and scream and yell and gnash him his teeth and beat on himself and cut himself with rocks. What an individual. No one, the text tells us, was able to subdue him. And here comes Jesus and his company in a boat up to the shore. And uh, this man, seeing Jesus, uh, probably from a high place in the cliffs, seeing Jesus and his company come up to the shore, he runs down uh, to the shore and throws himself uh, before Jesus. Verse 6, seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. No one was able to subdue him, but the very sight of Jesus Christ caused this man to fall on his face before the Lord Jesus. Why did Jesus Christ go into this region? Jesus Christ went into this region to show His authority over the unseen world of these demons. Think about that. As I said earlier, there is an unseen world all around us. We don't reckon with it much. But this story brings it out. And Jesus Christ is not only Lord of the physical realm, Jesus Christ stilled the storms on the sea. Jesus Christ healed the sick. But Jesus Christ is also the Lord of the unseen world. And He commanded the demons that were resident in the life of this unfortunate creature who lived in this graveyard. And Jesus Christ entered that region for the purpose of showing His authority over the unseen world. You and I will enter that unseen world one day. Inevitably, this will be the case. And the question becomes, will it be heaven or will it be hell? Jesus Christ must be your guide in this life and into the life to come. Look now at the posture 
of the man who was delivered. The man who was delivered. Verse 17. And they, that is the herdsmen, began to implore Jesus to leave their region. Jesus Jesus entered that region and cast out the demons. And what was the result? Uh, Go back up to verse 15. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had uh, had the legion, and they became frightened. Uh, Jesus clothed this man's nakedness, and Jesus healed this man's insanity. And Jesus does exactly the same thing for the likes of you and me also. Uh, Clothing, uh, dear friends, uh, has some symbolism. Uh, In other words, uh, what do we often do? We can smile at this. I think we can smile at this. Uh, We often use clothing to uh, cover our own blemishes. And we dress ourselves uh, to uh, cover ourselves and to cover our blemishes physically. But what does Jesus Christ do? Jesus Christ covers our spiritual blemishes. We all stand naked before uh, the great God of heaven because of our sin. But uh, Jesus Christ comes with His perfect life and clothes us with His righteousness. And Jesus Christ heals your insanity and my insanity. What is insanity? Insanity is looking at the world in unbiblical ways. That's insanity. Because the Bible gives us the truth of God. And why would you look at the world and oppose the truth of God? That's insane. When God heals our insanity, we begin to look at ourselves as God looks at us in our sin. When God heals our insanity, we begin to look at Jesus Christ properly as the One who came into the world the perfect Son of God, to die on a cross and pay the penalty due to us for our sins, your sins and my sins. And when Jesus Christ heals our insanity, we trust in Him. We not only look at Him and see in Him the Son of God, the One who performs signs and wonders, we trust Him with our very lives. And we take Him as our guide. And this is exactly what the man who was demon-possessed does. Again, 
verse 17. And they began to implore him, uh, that is, those who had seen uh, the miracle, they began to implore him to leave their region. Get out of here, Jesus. We don't want anything to do with you. And as he was getting into the boat, that is, Jesus, the man who had been demon-possessed, was imploring him, that is, Jesus, to, uh, that he might accompany him. The man who was healed wants to accompany Jesus. Uh, but Jesus said to him, or the text says in verse 19, uh, he did not let him, uh, but he said to him, Go home uh, to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. The man who had been healed wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your own hometown and talk to the people there and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And the man assented. The man said, yes. This is what I'll do. In other words... The man took Jesus Christ as his guide. Jesus said, follow me. And the man did follow the directions of Jesus. The man took Jesus as his guide. Isn't this what you and I must do in this life? You and I must take Jesus Christ as our guide. You and I must... Follow Him. You and I must do explicitly what Jesus Christ directs. You and I must take Jesus Christ as our guide, not only in this life, but into the life which is to come, into that unseen world which we will enter. Friends, don't be deceived about the common thought with regard to how you enter heaven. Commonly in our culture, people will say, there's one way you enter heaven. And it's simple. You die. That's the way you enter heaven. And that idea is confirmed... Uh, by the utterance, when an individual passes from this life into the next, what do we normally say? Oh, they've entered a better place. They've gone to a better place. Maybe, maybe, this week, Charles Manson, died. Charles Manson, who was the head of a murderous cult, and he was given the death sentence, which was later commuted and changed to 
a life sentence. Geraldo Rivera interviewed Charles Manson early on in his life sentence. And if you watch that interview, it's chilling, to say the very least. In that interview, Charles Manson says, I am the devil. And the devil does not go to a better place. The commentators said when Charles Manson died, his time in prison is over. No, his time in prison, the prison of hell, has just begun. And Jesus Christ is the one who is the Lord of the unseen world. You and I will enter when we pass from this life. And you and I, if we hope to go to heaven and be received by the great God above, must trust Jesus Christ in this life. You and I must trust Jesus Christ as our guide. He alone is the Lord of the unseen world. You and I will enter. Trust Him. Let's pray. Father, it's an awesome thing for us to contemplate that You're Lord of all. Even Lord of that which we cannot see with our physical eyes. But so it is. May it be, Father, that as we sit before You now in this company, young and old, may it be that we hear the words of the Gospel and trust Jesus Christ, the only Lord and Savior, And may it be, Father, that by Your grace You will place within our hearts that faith that takes Jesus Christ as the only guide to safely escort us into the unseen world which is to come. Bless us to this end, we pray, in the good name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen.